This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. All right, on this morning, we will pick up and continue from the teaching that I had done weeks past, uh, again, around... Are you prepared? Again, fall in that same vein that our, our past is already laid out by being in preparation mode for what's coming next. And in this portion of teaching that I'm doing around are you prepared, I'm focusing on are you prepared for the challenges. You know, that's really the thing. Are you prepared for the challenge? Um, it's nothing like having a challenge. You know, understand what the challenges is and being able to step up to the challenge. Um, and as we remember, we learn about these things. Being prepared for the challenge means is uh, prepared to stay focused. You got to, the challenge is staying focused. To keep your focus, to stay on purpose while the, ch- while the challenge is coming forth, right? In other words, I'm not being distracted, not getting off purpose. And, and that's the challenge. And uh, these are things that we have learned. And, and I'm, I'm taking this scripture or taking this teaching um, in the context of the, the lesson that I taught about is there not a cause? So we're going to look at David. I think David is an excellent example to look at and glean from these things in this context, you know, learning and teaching about um, are you prepared for the challenge? And again, I'm glad it's David and not me. So thank you, Brother David, that you use you for example, because we can learn a lot from, from David in the scriptures. All right, and so we're going to start out by our key scripture here in Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll jump off, launch off from there. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse number 7. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And so, I love this passage of Scripture, and again, it shows that Noah being warned by God of things not yet seen. Again, preparation. God will warn you about things that are, that are yet to come, that are yet to happen. But in Noah being warned by God, he moved. He provided action. You know, he didn't sit on the knowledge that God warned him. He actually did some things. He obeyed God. And he moved with fear or reverence. And that's why he prepared the ark. To the saving of his house. See, I mean, it's amazing how God will warn us about things that are yet to come to bring forth salvation to our home. Again, that's the preparation. That's the work. I'm going to tell you, don't get tired of being prepared. You know, don't get tired of preparation phase, right? It's, it's, it's great to be in the preparation phase because it's preparing you for what's coming next. So when what next shows up, you're already prepared to handle it. Versus what next shows up and you're like, what are we going to do now? Right? And I love that about God. God prepares us always for what's coming next. And you can, he may not show you what it is that's next, but the preparation is to prepare for you to endure what's going to happen next. And that's what it's about. That's to continue to endure. Whatever happens, I'm able to endure because God prepared me for what's next. All right? And so in this teaching around preparation, again, there was specific topics that were touched on um, by our pastor. Again, it talked about, am I awake is your heart ready? Are you prepared to make the commitment? Are you prepared to obey? Are you prepared to set things in order? 
Are you prepared for the challenge? And am I prepared to establish the will of God? And I know Minister Mark spent a lot of time talking about finishing our course, or finishing your course, and again about establishing the will of God, being finishers. And we're again, we're raising up this generation of finishers. That's why we're storing this generation so that we can finish and establish the will of God. Again, we're in that mode of establishing this ministry. This ministry has been founded, but now we're establishing and, and being mature and effective in the work of the ministry. Um, so again, I'm going to use for the objective. I'm going to use uh, David as an example to do a self-evaluation of are you prepared for the challenge? And so when we say a challenge, and again, understand, like I said before, the the challenge is to stay focused. Stay focused during all the distractions. To stay focused on purpose. I heard the minister this morning talking about our thoughts and how the thoughts come in to to, to challenge you. The, The thoughts come in to challenge you to get off focus. Right? There's things that you've been called to do, things you need to be focused on, but then here come the thoughts that get you all focused. That's the challenge, the focus. I mean, we can just stay focused. We stay in our lane. We can stay what God has said to us, stay with the original instructions. But we all understand we have an adversary, and the adversary is on, on his job to get you all focused with just distractions. All right, so we talked about uh, before about is there not a cause and just a review here about the word cause and, and, and is there not a cause and we looked at this message before cause means a reason for an action right that means the cause is found when you follow God's original instruction that means you will run into the cause when you obey God's instruction see people are looking for a cause you know, what's this cause what's that cause you know, what's, what's my reason for, for my actions well, when you obey God and his instructions, you'll run right into the cause. And David, again, was a primary example of obeying his father's instructions that now he ran into the cause. All right, so let's look at this in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's start picking up and examining David. 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse number 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided a king, provided me, excuse me, provided me a king among his sons. Now, this is so amazing. This passage of scripture just amazes me what God is telling the prophet Samuel. He's telling him that, first of all, he said, God said, the Lord said, he rejected Samuel. But then he told Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? You know, again, it's time to move on. Right? And when, again, when, we, when the Bible says, when, when the Lord says he rejected Samuel, understand, understand this. I mean, not rejected Samuel, rejected Saul. Saul actually did some things that, that he no longer can, now at his point where he was at, he's not moving no more further with God. In other words, Saul made a choice not to move forward with God. Not God. And that's the thing about it. We, we look at things that are happening in our lives and we think, oh, well, you know, God is, has, has accepted this person and rejected that person. No. Right? God said everyone that fears him, he has accepted. Right? But Saul made a choice to stop going forward with God. And God said, fine, Saul, you made your choice. Saul did some things that he shouldn't have did that went against God's commandments. So he made that choice. 
And so now the Lord is saying, okay, now it's time to move on because this is the thing about God's program. It's all about Him. God's not going to let one person or one individual stop God's program, you know, from His purpose from going forward. And I love how God had already have prepared somebody to move forward as king. Right? And they do this miss. And so, so now that's the, the point that, that the Lord is saying to Saul here. He said, I've already provided me a king among the sons of Jesse. Right? And, and again, he, the Lord was amazed. He did not tell Samuel which son it was. He just said, Jesse, his sons. That means one of those boys, one of those sons, is, is who the Lord has provided to be king. So now, here comes Samuel, has obeyed God to go, go to Jesse's home and find out which one of these sons is it. You know, he didn't walk in there and say, oh, give me David. No, the Lord said, out of his sons, I prepared me a king. See, I, I'm going to tell you, why is that so important, right? Because God gives you information to see if you're going to obey. It's amazing to me. God will give you enough information just to see if you're going to obey. In other words, He's not revealing everything to you. But He's giving you enough information to see if you will obey based on what He said. And here we are, God. You've got to show me everything. God's like, really? You've got to obey. Obey with what I've shown you. Stay with that original instruction. Right? And so, so now we see that Samuel's going to the, the house of Jesse to find this son that God has provided me a king. Now we jump down to verse number 6. It says, And it came to pass when they were come <laughs> that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. Now here it is, Samuel making his assessment of who the Lord has accepted or provided as king. He looked at the oldest son, Eliab, right, and said, surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But, verse 7, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. Let's tell you, that's what I love about God. Because as men, we always look in the outward appearance. Somebody out, out, outward appearance, they look like, oh, they're the one. They're the chosen one right there. You know, they have the right height, the right weight, the right complexion, you know, the right pedigree. Right? You know, oh, that's got to be the Lord's knowing. Look how beautiful they are. Look how stout they are. But God's like, I'm looking at your heart. God saw the heart of this, this son, Eliab, and said he refused him. And me refuse him, he's not going to be king. Right? And that's amazing to me when I think about this, right? That means this, this boy's heart, Eliab's heart, wasn't right to be king. That doesn't mean he, don't have, he can't do things in the ministry of God and the work of the Lord, because he is. He's okay. But not for kingdom. And we'll, and we'll come back and catch this about Eliab. We're going to come back and see what, why the Lord said this about Eliab. Because his heart wasn't right. Right? So, but he said, don't look on the outward countenance, the outward appearance, the heart. And that's why when it comes to ministry, when it comes to being prepared for the challenge, again, we have to have our heart right. God already knows your heart. Here's the thing about God. God knows who's going to obey him and who's not. God knows who's going to fully obey him and who's going to obey him to a certain point and stop. Right? He knows that. But we all have the same choice. 
you know, you can obey God to the fullest or you can choose to obey him to, to enough of, to get what you want and then you stop. God knows it all. He's looking at the heart. Again, that's why I'm telling you, that's why, I, hey, I don't, I'm not here playing God. And let me say it like this. I'm not here judging who God has called to, to what office and who he hasn't. God knows who he's called. He, because he knows their heart. Only way I can see your heart is if you show it to me. And then you're only going to show me so much. But God sees it all. He knows your thoughts, your motivations, your intent. He knows your insecurity. He knows your issues. That's why I said he's a faithful God. All right, so again, he said, I refused him. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So now Sam is like, okay, wait a minute, this is not the one. Here we go. And so then, jump down to verse 11. It says, and Samuel said unto Jesse, because he went through his other sons. And then the Lord said, nope, not them either. And then verse 11, he says, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. I mean, here's the prophet Samuel, like, wait a minute, I, we went through your sons and the Lord's telling him, no, next, next, next. And now he's like, man, why you, is something wrong? Because I'm going to tell you, Samuel, like, I hadn't missed God, so Jesse, you must be holding out. In other words, there's got to be another son. Because remember, the Lord said, in the sons of Jesse, I provided me a king. But even Jesse didn't think David was the one that the Lord has provided me a king of. He said, he keep his sheep. See, David was about his father's business. David was about obedience and instruction. Right? Doing the work. You know, like we've been learning here, doing the unseen work. While all the other sons are being paraded in front of Samuel and he's going through and ready to anoint them. Doing the same work that he did every single day. I'm keeping my father's sheep. He wasn't looking for any accolades. He wasn't looking for no, no acknowledgement. He wasn't trying to see what was going on. Hey, his father told him to go keep those sheep. He stayed with his father's instruction. See, that's a man that's after God's own heart. Yeah, and that's a man that can handle the challenges, that can stay focused when distractions come. Because for David, there was all distractions. Oh, okay, the prophet Samuel showed up. That's fine. That was a distraction. They were like, I'm keeping the sheep. Unless my father tell me not to, I'm staying on, on course. He stayed there. And you know, it's amazing. You look at those, you look at individuals, this reminds me of like even the time with Moses and, and Joshua. Right? How jo- Joshua was, was Moses' you know, call him an armor bearer. He was right there. And when the time of Moses was up on the mountain and Joshua stayed on his post. He never left. Even though things were happening going down, Joshua stayed on po- point. He stayed on his po- post. He never moved from the instructions that Moses gave him. See, he was able to face the challenge. Not get distracted. And it's amazing how those are the ones that God's like, oh, they're prepared for leadership. And that's why Joshua was prepared to be, to, to take the place in time when Moses was moved away. And now it's time for the king, Jesse. 
son, David, is the one. Alright, so again, it says again, verse 11, he said, he, Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now here's the Lord saying, this is he. Here's the king that I have approved of. The Lord told Samuel that. And you hear the, you hear the, the witness about, <clears throat> about David, right? He was ready, right? You know, a, a beautiful countenance. It's interesting to hear these comments, right? He was ready without, without a beautiful countenance. Good to look on. It's talking about his outward appearance, Right? You know, ready means a little scrappy, right? Ready is kind of it's an interesting term to use for for describe someone. Ready is almost like he, it's it's like it's not 100 percent polished. You know, so on the outside, like oh, I don't know if this one, but you look on the outside, but this this boy was about business. So you can look at me. You look at someone on the outside, like really that that's them. But then you put something in their hands and watch them get it done. You're like, wow. And here I was judging the book by their cover, as I used to say. And I'll miss God. It wasn't about the outward appearance. See, God knows who can finish his instructions. And that's the thing about ministry. You put things in people's hands, it's amazing. And then then on the outside, they're like, oh, they're the right ones. They got it going. They can speak well. Or whatever, they can communicate well, they said all the right answers, but then you put some in their business and put something in their hands and it just falls apart. Like, what happened? You better hear from God. But this this is David. Again, that's what I mean by being prepared for the challenge, the distractions. David could stay focused throughout all the distractions that were happening. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him. This is he. Now, again, mindful, David was the youngest of his children. I mean, of his uh, brothers. He was the youngest of his father's children. Right? And again, that means age, it was not a requirement to be used by God. Catch that, you young adults. Right? You YWC. Age is not a requirement. What's the requirement to be used by God? Your obedience. You can obey God for where you are now. God is looking at your heart to obey Him. And you can show God, God uh, uh, how you can obey him in the small things. What's a small thing for, for a young adult to obey? Father, uh, like David, can you follow your parents' instructions? Can you stay the course? Just follow your parents' instructions. Simple things. Can you follow your parents' instructions? You know, like your parents tell you clean your room. Can you continue to keep your room clean? Or they got to keep telling you to clean your room. You know, if you have uh, duties, you know, in the home to wash dishes or clean up certain areas of the house or cut the grass or whatever it may be, can you be consistent in doing those things? Can you follow those instructions? Or do your father have to keep telling you over and over again, right, to do what you're supposed to already know to do? See, that's the criteria. To show if you're prepared, if you're ready. Because everybody said, I'm ready, but where's the preparation at? Maintain the simple instructions. Don't be distracted. 
and, and again, David was not. Verse 13, it says, Then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So now here it is. David was anointed in the midst of his brothers as to be king by the prophet. You know what was amazing to me in this passage of Scripture? I never hear nobody say nothing. I never hear David like, yeah, you know it was me all the time. Hey, it's about time Samuel showed up. I'm the chosen one. Nothing. Nobody said anything. Right? It's amazing how the attitudes are. Of Again, not saying that they didn't say anything. It's just not recorded that they said anything. That I means this shows me a lot about David, even as a ruddy young boy, right? He was, he was humble. You're like, okay, I'm knowing a king. Great. I'm going back to keep my father's sheep. I'm going back to do what my father told me to do. That didn't change anything for him. See, in other words, even in that moment, he wasn't, he stayed focused. See, what, what I mean by this season of our, of our lives that we need to understand where we're at, right? We've been learning a lot of things in this ministry around time and season and dispensations. There's certain dispensations of your life that you are in now. You better stay focused in a dispensation you're in now to maximize what God has for you in that season you're in. Right? In other words, it's something that God wants to show you, reveal to you in the season you are in now. And if you're trying to get out of that season because you want to move to something bigger and greater in your mind, God's like, no, there's things I need you to do now here to prepare you for what's coming next. And David stayed right there. He was anointed king and like, okay, now I'm finna, father, start calling me king. I'm not here. He didn't change his name. Changed his clothing. He stayed who he was. Because that's the season he's in. The kingdom was coming. But he was still in preparation though. So when the kingdom shows up, now he's the king. He's prepared for to be the king. So they was in, in the, still in the season of preparation. Just like we learn in this ministry. We're in the season of preparation. That's what I hope you're learning. We're in the time of preparation. So now here's a self-examination or self-reflection you need to do for yourself. Right? During this pandemic, during all the time of this pandemic, what have you been doing? How have you been preparing for the kingdom of God? Right? It's been 16 months. Since March 2020, since we met in person, and then next Sunday we're going to be in person, 16 months would have passed. What have you done to stay focused on the kingdom of God in this time of preparation? Or, or have you done this, right? During this time of the 16 months, have you picked up other hobbies? Have you picked up other activities? You know, other things that have taken you away from the assignment that God has you on. In this time. See, I love this self evaluation or self examination, right? What have you done? Because I, I, that's what I love about time has continued to go on. But what have you done in these 16 months? From March 22 to August 1, 2021, what have you done? 
And again, when it comes to the kingdom of God. Here's the instructions that were given to us. Simple instructions that were given, us, given to us by God. Get out of debt. Save. Have you done that? And, and in surgery, I think that was given to us before the pandemic happened. Maybe my, my mind gets confused sometimes when it comes to timing. But that was given to us what we need to do. Get out of debt. Save. Have you done that? Simple instructions from God during this time. Right? And so you can see where you are now. Right? In these 16 months that have passed, do you have more debt? Are you in the same place you were before? Have you saved? Right? Again, but have you picked up other hobbies? Since the self-examination. Here's my thing, right? How much in the 16 months, how, how stronger are you in your growth, your maturity, your commitment to God? To fulfilling his purpose. Again, in this 16 months, where you are at before the pandemic and where you are at now, how stronger are you? Stronger. The strength. Are you? When it comes to growth, when it comes to your focus, when it comes to your maturity, around the commitment to God to fulfill the purpose that he has for you. So are you stronger than you were before? I'm talking about towards God. And his plan, his purpose. Or are you about the same? Right? You're neither here, you know, you're about the same place you were before the pandemic when it comes to your growth and maturity. You know, you hadn't increased it anymore and you hadn't really fallen off in your mind, but you're about the same. You've been stagnant. And I'm going to tell you right now, you've been stagnant, you have fallen off. But doing your own self-evaluation. Right? So are you stronger? Are you the same? Or are you know you have just fallen off? Are you further away from fulfilling God's assignment for you than you were 16 months ago? And I'll tell you, you know. Because you know the things that you have now exchanged in a place of time you spent with God, the time you focused on things with ministry, you replace that with other activities. And again, we can all hide behind things. I'm better in myself. Or I'm doing these things to, to better my family. I mean, that's, you know, it's always amazing to me how we can play that game with us, justifying our fleshly activities. But what about God? See, I don't know how, I don't know how as a believer we take God out of the equation. I thought, we, I thought he was a Lord. And I thought we accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. Then how am I going to take my Lord and my Savior out of the equation for the activities that I'm doing? And God will check us on these things. Because I'm saying, you have increased, but what about Him? In other words, your walk towards Him, your journey towards Him. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of people say, I'm in a better place now. Better place where? Based on who evaluation? Who is that? Based on what God has said? Some of you have fell and fallen off. And here's the thing, right? So, so when August 1st shows up, right? When next Sunday happens, when we, when we get to this place, when we come in the ministry in person, are you ready? And again, you can say you're ready, but that means have you prepared to be ready? Or it's going to take you time to catch up. See, that lets you know, right? If you get to this place so, on next Sunday, you're like, oh, oh, 
oh yeah, I forgot. It's like, oh, well, I got to start back praying again. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I got to start back studying. I mean, I'm sorry. You ain't done none of this stuff. And I got to witness the gospel again. What, what is the, Jesus? What? What scripture was that? John 3, 6? You know, you, you ain't, you got to catch back up again. I ain't been in that mode in a long, what do you mean you ain't been in that mode in a long time? You're not spending time with the Lord? See, these are things I hear from the Spirit of God, right? What if on August 1st shows comes and we have people in here that want to receive salvation? I mean, I, I'm, I just... God is a faithful God. Can we now call upon you to minister the gospel to Him? Remember, God has given us all the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling man back unto God through Jesus Christ. We all have that ministry. What if we had an overflow? We like, you know, well, you got ministers there. You got deacons there. We got us. But what about you? What if we got overflow? We need you to come and minister the gospel. We're talking about the gospel message of salvation. Lead somebody to Christ. <laughs> Simple things. Can you do it? Oh, brother, I need to go and, you know, get my Bible out. What, what, you know, what scripture we need to go? You lost. Shows you where you've been. Over 16 months. See, examine yourself. See, that's why there's a difference with being busy and being on purpose. Many of y'all are busy. You know, I heard on Friday night, I heard a lot of busy talk. <laughs> on Friday night, basically, you had to talk about how busy they are. Yeah, they're busy. They're right. They're busy. But, I, you know, I was listening for a purpose. Did I hear purpose? Where are you at on purpose? You know, we talked on Friday night about time management. A lot of the young adults talk about their time and their free time. And, you know, it's just, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm smiling, I'm laughing because it's just amazing. Because I was a mentor. I, I've been at age. I understand. I've been there. I'm not putting no one down. I've been there. Let me tell you this. I had the same thoughts you had. I made the same statements. Okay? I, did, I said the exact same thing that you said. So I'm not putting you down. I, I was there. Right? My time. Free time. Yeah, I'm so busy. Right? But it's purpose. God dealt with me about purpose many, many years ago. God, this is how God dealt with me about purpose. Everything you're doing should have a purpose. You know, that's, that's word, right? In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a purpose. There's a season and time under heaven. Right? Everything should have a purpose. So that means whatever activities I have, find the purpose in it and then stay there. So then it won't be busy work. It'll be purposeful work. And when God said, when you find the purpose, find the purpose based on my standard, not yours. Or not this world's. Or not what you want. Find the purpose based on his standard, his will, his guidelines. And then you won't be talking about free time. You'll be talking about purpose time. So then the Lord showed me, like, okay, work. You know, you, have to, you need to work. You don't work, you don't eat. Right? So when you go to work, there's purpose with that. Guess what? When I'm at work, I'm at work. Right? That means I'm there to, to fulfill my obligations for the services that they're paying me for. There's purpose. I'm not there at work doing other things. What they call it, moonlighting, and I'm, other activities going on. I'm at purpose, I'm at work. So I'm working. Right? And then when it's time when I, I spend with my family, 
I'm spending it with my family. I'm not multitasking. You know, when I'm time I'm spending with my wife, I'm spending time with my wife. It's me and her. We have our time together. Purpose. I'm not spending time with my wife and calling my mom on the phone, talking to her, or I'm talking to my son. I'm, I'm spending time with my wife. Purpose. Lord said, purpose. Separate it. All right? And then you can start carving out things that, that you talk about how busy you are. And then here's the thing about it. When it comes to time, when it comes to these things, and again, God is so good. Time management, it all feeds out of my relationship with God. In other words, I'm not deciding what's priority and what's not. I let God show me the priority. Because you know what? All time belongs to Him. And guess what He's giving you time for? He's giving you time to repent. So I'm keeping that in the forefront of my mind. I let God show me what is priority for the time that He has given me. Because time is going to elapse. That's what I mean going back to since March 2020 to August 1st. That time has elapsed. If you have not heard from God as far as priorities, you've wasted that time. And I'm going to tell you this. God has spoken to you. The word has come forth. He has said things to us clearly about what we need to be focusing on during that time period. But have you done it? What have you done? See, I find purpose when I'm seeking God. On how I should be spending time. That's that way I'm not busy. I'm on purpose. And here's the thing that God, man, we just keep on. I, I, I'll get here. Here's the thing that God continues to show me, right? The more time I spend with him, the more effective I am on purpose. The more time, get this, the more time that I spend with him, the more effective I am on purpose. What do you mean by that? That means going back to my job. The more time I spend with God, I, be, I can be more effective on my job. Things that, that take other people days and weeks to learn, I can learn in hours. Then I can move on to the next thing. It'll just come to me. Why can I, can I spend time with God? And the Lord, the Lord will reveal things to me. Look at this. Go here. I won't, I'm saying, even, in my, even in my workplace, I'm not even wasting time at work. Because I spent time with God. Hope you catch that. My time with God is valuable. It's precious. And I'm, I'm sitting at work and the Lord said, look at that. I hear the Spirit of God like, look at that. I'm like, there it is. And other people are like, I can't see it. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, boom. I'm done. Next. Because I spent time with the Lord. Purpose. Spend time with him. And then he will guide me in every area of my life. Stay with purpose. Don't put God on the side and say, I got this. No, you ain't got You're going to just waste time. Spend time with God. He will show you and direct you how to order your life, how to manage things. God will show you these things. That way you won't keep talking about your... your <laughs> Your free time and your, your busy time. And, and God was like, oh, spend time with me. And then, you know, some, and then God will show you the time for your leisure. This is, a, I'm gonna tell you, this is a time for leisure. 
right? There's, there's a time to do some binge watching, a little Netflix or what, whatever streaming service you got, Disney Plus. What? There's a time for leisure. But I'm going to tell you, even in your leisure time, God will show you that. How to be effective. I'm going to tell you, you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to watch, wasting time. I'm telling you, hey, I, I keep God in the forefront of every one of these areas, of my, all areas of my life. God, show me. Direct me. Again, that's, by, that's what I mean by being led by the Spirit of God. Now look at this in, in I said a lot. Look at this in Luke chapter 10. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Because again, I, I like this about, because we're going to go back to, to David in a minute. Because David, as a young boy, David didn't waste time. David stayed on purpose. And we're going to see it. But Luke chapter 10. I want to think about this when we talk about being on purpose versus just being busy. Is it two two contrasts of individuals? Luke chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. Luke ten and thirty-eight. It says, "Now it came to pass, as they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word." So we have Martha, we have Mary, right? It was Martha's house, but Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. But Martha was cumbered, busy, about much serving, and came to him and said, came to him, me and the Lord Jesus, and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, remember what her sister was married her sister left Martha from serving to sit at the feet of Jesus. So here is the Lord that appears at your house and you are busy serving. And then you're mad at the other sister for leaving serving and saying, Jesus, I'm going to sit at his feet to hear from him. So what's the priority? You serving or hearing from the master? And then Martha, I like how Martha said, Lord, no, I don't need, Martha's telling the Lord what to do. The Lord shows up at your house, and you're going to tell the Lord what to do. When the Lord shows up, that's time for you to sit and listen. That's not the time for you to tell the Lord what needs to be done. Because he, show, he shows up at the house to give you instructions, not for you, to, not for you to give him instructions. Why is this so important? Because in our time of prayer, in our time of, of praying to our Heavenly Father, right? Seek him for instruction, for guidance, versus telling him about how busy you are. Father, help me. I'm so busy. I got all this to do. I do this. I do that. I do this and that. Again, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? And come sit at your feet, though, Jesus. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. He told Martha, I like he said her name twice. I mean, we got, you know, when people that are busy, you got to say their name twice, why? To get their attention. 
Because you said one time they didn't hear you. Because they're just busy. Like, hey, Martha, Martha. You know, like, slow down. Let me get your attention. I'm right here. Right? You're careful or busy about me. You're troubled. You're busy. But where's purpose? And again, you're busy about many things. So you got your hands on many things. But where's purpose? Purpose is always found with our Lord and Savior Jesus. Purpose is found with Him. If you hadn't found Him, you hadn't found purpose. You know, everything I do, I've got to find, like I said before, everything I do, I've got to find purpose in through Him. He's got to show me the purpose of this. If not, you're just wasting time. But he said one thing is needful. Right? Again, talking about not being distracted, about being prepared for the challenge, staying focused. That's the one thing that's needful. Stay with the Master. Stay with the Lord. That's the one thing that's needful. In other words, he, the Lord directs my priorities. He sets my attention. He sets my goals. He sets my objectives. He sets it forth. I hear his word and I stay with it. I apply it. And I hear the Lord's simple instructions. That's the one thing that's needful. That's the one thing that's needful for all of us. For many of us during this time of these 16 months since we've been in the pandemic. Have you heard from the Spirit of God? Again, I just mentioned the one simple thing, right? About <clears throat> when we're talking about getting out of debt and saving. Have you followed up on that? Or have you picked up other things that you shouldn't have picked up during this time? And it's going to catch up with you later. And you wonder what happened. When, when next shows up, well, whatever next comes, it shows up. And you're not prepared for it. You're like, Lord, what am I going to do now? And the Lord's like, well, you should have took my counsel years ago. 16 months ago. Then you were prepared for now what's next. See, the Lord, the, the Lord is not just saying these things, just, just being a notion, you know, suggestions. That's the one thing that's needful. To sit at the master's feet. Right? And here's an analogy for you. Right? What, analogy of sitting at the master's feet. Think about when we first started this pandemic in March 2020, when we first went to live streaming, how you were consistent in hearing the word of God. How you showed up during these, these Sunday morning services, right? The family life classes, you were consistent. You were assistant, uh, consistent attentive, you were listening completely, you had your whole family there, you turned off everything else around you, you had your word of God, it's like you took notes, it's like you was at church when we first started. I mean, you was even on the Facebook live stream, you know, saying a little stuff, amen, God, you know, all this. Right? But now, you know, how do you respond now? To the live stream? Do you make the live stream? Or your attitude, I'll catch it later. And when you are there, are you attentive? Do you have your Bible? Are you taking notes? Right? Or are you cooking breakfast, cooking dinner, right? Washing clothes, folding clothes, you're doing housework. Are you talking while the mess is going forward? Having a side conversation. Do you have your phones? I heard that this morning about social media. Your phone's out. You're doing other things. 
But yeah, but yeah, I, I caught the live stream. What did you catch? The one thing that's needful. See, you're busy about many things. See, that just shows you where you're at. That means, I'm going to tell you something. He is, that means the Lord, He's not the priority. Something that's changing, again, going back to what we talked about with Samuel and Saul. Something's changing your heart. God hasn't changed. Get this, just because you're not physically here, the Word of God is still, it's still the Word of God. It still goes out with power, clarity, and conviction. Whether through a live stream or whether you're in person, it's still the Word of God. The Word of God is not hindered by a live stream. You know, God is greater than a live stream. So that means, hey, you should have been hearing from God through the live stream. And you should make sure that you are consistent in how you hear. How you prepare to hear. I mean, sometimes, did you even get out the bed? You know, we first started, you know, you got to bed, you showered, you bathed, you, you know, you did your hygiene thing and you was right there. Now that you, you laying in bed like, really? You're in between naps? You're just so lax when it comes to the things of God. Then you wonder how come you're struggling. You wonder how come in your mind, you, some of y'all dreading to come the next Sunday like, really? I got to get up? I got to bathe? I got to get the children ready? But imagine he was doing that this whole time. You kept the same routine. See, God is, that's what I say, God is faithful. God has not changed through, through this time of we've been, uh, you know, live streaming. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's why this message is about, right, being prepared for the challenge. You know, you have to learn how to stay focused. You know, obviously this pandemic has impacted all of us. That's why we even have a live stream. But I'm still focused on God. My focus on the Lord and what He has called me to do has not changed. Even though we are in this mode. He has not, has not changed. So I'm not going to change. It's not about being busy. It's about being on purpose. Staying there on purpose. All right, so that's enough talking about you. Let's talk about David, because I know we don't like hearing about us. Let's, go, let's see what David did in his time of preparation. You know, we're going to see, after David was anointed uh, king, let's go back and see what he did. Preparation. Go back to 1 Samuel. First Samuel 16. Let's see David in his preparation. 1 Samuel 16, we're going to start back at verse 13 and read into this. So verse 13, 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Verse 14, but, oh, here we go. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubled thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand 
and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse. What? The Bethlehemite that is cunning and plain and a mighty valiant man, a man of war, a prudent and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. And wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David, thy son, which is with the sheep. Now here, um, this right here passage amazes me. Right? All we hear about David before is he keeps sheep. Now all of a sudden, David is a musician? And not just a musician, a very skillful and cunning musician. Cunning means skillful, right? And, and, and he also knows how to play a harp. I mean, he's cunning playing a harp. A string instrument with his hands. Now, now here's the thing that gets me. This fall, I just don't understand. I understand this, right? Because if David was a keeper of sheep, how do you have time to practice to play a harp? Again, for all you young people that are so busy. He had to practice and practice. I never once hear the scripture said his dad told him to practice. David had time to practice, to play a harp, to take an instrument. And he still kept sheep. That means I can do more than one thing with excellence? Yes, you can. And the best thing about this, the, the most important thing I heard in this, this witness about David was the last thing he said in verse 18. And the Lord was with him. That means in him playing the heart, the Lord was with him. But he was skillful. And remember, this was right after, <laughs> this was right after he was anointed king. See, when the, when the Lord said, I, 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 when the Lord said, hey, I provided me a, a king amongst Jesse's sons, he never once, once mentioned that, you know, actually the boy can play the harp too. And I'm with him with that. He can play the harp so well that the evil spirits will, will be gone from you by his playing of that string instrument. Now, how well can you play that the evil spirits will like, I got to go. Because all I hear from that music is holiness and righteousness. I mean, David was, a, he was, I mean, David was an interesting, this is a boy, a young man, a youth. That can play that that skillful, and and, and it is amazing to be in this passage of scripture. When you you just took out verse eighteen by itself in this passage, you think they're talking about a grown man, because they kept saying a man, a man, a man. Remember verse twelve we talked about when they brought him forward, he was ruddy, you know, he's beautiful, he's good to look at, but they say he was a no grown man. Now we get to verse eighteen, and they describe him as. A cunning player, a, a, a mighty valiant man, right? And you know what a valiant means? means bold. David had a boldness about him. A boldness that was courageous. Now how can you see that? How can you see someone that's bold and courageous? This is, I tell you, David amazes me as a young man, as a youth. How they recognize his boldness. 
his courage. And this is the things we've been learning about these teaching about being prepared, right? You have to have strength and you have to have courage. David had both of these. You know, strength is actually the ability to do something. That means, you know, God has given you the strength to play an instrument. But where the courageous means is actually playing it <laughs> and practice it and perfecting it. That's the courage to stand up and get up and actually play it before people. That takes courage and can do it over and over and over again consistently. That takes the courage. See, a lot of us have strength to do many things, but you don't have the courage. You're not stepping up. Move past your obstacles and press forward. That's courage. Even when you have your bad days, even when you miss a note, you come back the next day and you pick it up and play it again. That's courage. I'm not quitting. Every day is not going to be, I'm not going to be my A game every day. But I don't mean I quit, lose my focus. Again, get out of being distracted. That's what I mean. You're prepared for the challenge. David stayed focused and playing at heart. I'm going to tell you this. David never knew that him being, <laughs> him being an excellent heart player would have him come into the kingdom before the king. From playing a heart, an instrument. Now he got invited to the palace. See, that's what I mean about how we take God out of the equation. It's amazing. You're working so, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people work so hard to get into the palace. Oh, I wish the king would invite me. I wish they would notice me. Just do what God told you to do. And let your gift make room for you. For, for bring you before great men in the sight of this world. You ain't got to do all that network. You ain't got to do all that politics. You ain't got to do all that. Just stay with God's purpose. See, I'm telling you, that's what I mean about these last 16 months. You know, this time of, you know, you've been doing everything. You've picked up new things. You don't picked up new hobbies. You know, all this stuff you're doing thinking you're better than yourself. And God, like, you to stay with me. You, at the end of this year, I would have showed you how to be, the, be, be better off. To stay with me. I would have given you the counsel and direction and guidance, the strategy to be better. What, you, what you're trying to get better doing. David stayed with God. And because of that, stay, stay with God means he stayed with his instructions. And now he got invited to the king, kingdom, the play, the harp. So again, he called him a, a, mighty valiant, a mighty valiant man of boldness, courageous. Called him a man of war. A man of war, a boy. This is the witness of David as a boy, Right? He's cunning and playing, a mighty valiant man, a man of war, prudent in matters. Now, prudent in matters is interesting. It's saying that means that he knows how to handle his business. He's prudent. He's taking care of things in preparation to bring it to an expected end. That's what it means by being prudent. I'm taking care of things to bring it to an expected end. I'm handling my business. I mean, that means David took care of things. He, he handled his business. You, I don't know how to say these things, right? You know, it's just, some people just don't know how to handle business. You know, take care of things, things that need to be done. You put it in their hands and all of a sudden, it, you know, did you do that? Did you? Oh, I forgot. You forgot? How did you forget what I told you to do? Because I don't see you forgot the other stuff that I didn't tell you to do. 
You know, I always remember when it comes to raising my children, raising my sons, you know, I, I, when it came to their game time, I never gave them game time. I never said, okay, during this time of the day, you can play your Xbox, PlayStation, whatever it was. Never had to say that to them. But they always found time to play it. Never had to designate that. But when it came to other things, oh, we had to remind them of that. Oh, I forgot. See, this is what I mean about David. It's amazing to me. He, he was prudent. He took care of business. I mean, there's a maturity level with this, this young man. He was prudent. And then it talks about the, you know, thing we like to see, calmly person. You know, he's good looking, handsome. Now, I'm going to tell you something. In all the studies I've read about David, I never heard David call himself handsome. You know, some of us, you know, we can be shallow. Some of you let us know how good looking we are. Let other people tell you how good looking you are. You're not telling nobody how good looking you are. You know, have some kind of, you know, modesty. You know, again, you all look good. You know that. You, hey, in the eyes of the Lord, you all look good. Well, the beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. God has made you all look good. Why you got to let everybody know how good you look? I'm just saying, but it was amazing. But that's the testimony of David. He said he's a calmly person. means he was handsome. But David wasn't going around talking about how handsome he was. That wasn't on his profile on social media. How do you describe yourself? Well, hey, I'm a good-looking brother. Come and taste and see how good-looking I am. Right? That's on your profile pic, right? No. And then it says that the Lord was with them. He said, the Lord is with him. Now, how they knew, those servants knew the Lord was with this young man, that means they must experience the Spirit of God for themselves. That means when he played that harp, they're like, everybody was soothed. I mean, have you ever, let's see how powerful music is. You know, there's sometimes we have songs that are played in, in, during pre-service, and I'm saying it just sets the tone for the service. They get you in the presence the atmosphere of the Lord. Where you can just, oh, you can, it's, it's easy to minister behind that. It's easy to do anything when it comes to the, when the things that got behind that. The music is so powerful. And David knew how to play the right chords, the right keys, and, you know, whatever the musical language is when it comes to a harp, to soothe those that even were afflicted by an evil spirit. That's skillful. That's cunning. That means he spent time with this. He practiced this. Verse 19 again. And wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said unto me, uh, and send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David, his son, unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took and harp. And played with his hands 
So Saul was refreshed and was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. So here you see this young man, David, play this harp. Right? For Saul. And the evil spirit left. He said he played it well. And he played it with his hands. I mean, that's it. That's his practice. You can't just, you can't be winging this. Right? And I, I love, again, I, you know, I love how the, I love, that's why I just love the, the word of God, right? I love things that are not said here. Again, you know, it's this past script I just read. Did David say anything? I never hear David said a word. When David now was for, for Saul, he said he loved them. And he became his armor bearer. That means David knew how to serve Saul. Now, now what's, what's so special about that? Because remember, in verse 13, he was just anointed king in, in the midst of his brethren. David knew that he was going to become king. He never told that to Saul. He never said, hey, hey buddy, hey, you better enjoy this place while you can because I'm going to take over. It's going to be mine in a few years. I'm going to renovate this. David never mentioned anything about that. Right? He said he looked at them and loved them. Loved them. <laughs> it said he loved them greatly. Loved them. I mean, David didn't have any ill feelings towards King Saul. You know, whatever issue Saul had was between Saul and God. <laughs> right? Again, that's why I say I, you can learn a lot from. I'm talking about this is what me about prepared for the challenge. This is how you stay focused. This is how you won't start competing yourself, you know, comparing yourself to other people. David wasn't comparing himself to Saul. We're like, I'm going to do a better job than Saul. And that's not what he ever said. I'm going to be the best king ever. No, David, his attitude was totally, I love, he loved this man. He became his armor bearer. And he said he found favor in his sight. He submitted himself to the king. Even though he knew the king was on his way out. See, that's what I mean by preparation. I mean, how can, hey, before you can be in authority, you you need to submit to the authority. Learn that, especially a lot of you young adults that are getting in a position, right? Learn how to submit under the delegate authority before the place where you get into delegate authority. Learn how to submit. How do I submit to those in delegate authority? Do the simple instructions. One thing I didn't see with David, I never heard David complain about anything. Where was the complaining at with David? He never complained. I didn't hear David complain about he was at church too long or too much. Too much practice. I got to play this harp again. Somebody want me to play the harp again? I want to get somebody else to play the harp. I'm not the only one in town who can play the harp. See, I mean, that just nasty, filthy attitude you have. For the things of God. See, I never hear David complain about putting the things of God, the things he's doing for the ministry, on the altar for the things he wants to do. Let me say that again. I never hear David Complain or put the things of God on the altar. You know what I mean? If I put it on the altar, I'm going to sacrifice that because I got things that I want to do. I don't hear that coming from David. When it comes to ministry, when it comes to preparation for what God has called us to do, that is always the forefront. That is the most priority. Be careful what you say when, you, when you're saying you're busy and you start talking about things of God, the ministry. 
Because let me tell you something. God don't need you like that. Whatever you're doing in ministry, somebody else can do it. God does not need you like that. In other words, in other words, why I mean I need you like that is without you, God's program won't go on. Because I'm going to tell you, Saul then had no idea that God said, I had raised up a king already in position. He was ready. Saul didn't know that. So don't think that you're the only one that can do what you can do and that nobody else can do it better than you. God, like, really? This is about my program. You know what God is looking for? Obedience. And all that complaining you're doing about, I'm so busy, and I'm doing this in the ministry, I'm doing that in the ministry. I just, I, I get tickled. Right? You know, because I'm going to tell you, this is just, I remember hearing this, this is a, a while back in the, in, the, in the Men of Integrity time we had a fellowship. And, and uh, I remember one of the brothers in Men of Integrity, they're no longer here in the ministry, so don't get, get upset. But uh, I remember they were making a comment about ministry. And they said, well, you know, brothers, I just want to help you brothers do what y'all do when it comes to ministry. Because y'all are doing a lot. And I remember me and this, this other minister, we looked at him and like, you ain't helping us. It's not about us. You know, we looked at him and like, you know why we do the things we do in ministry? Because we love God. <laughs> you ain't helping, y'all need, you ain't helping us. This is God. I love the Lord. It's an honor and privilege to be able to be put my hands to the to the work of ministry because I love God. I love my Lord. That's my motivation about whatever whatever has been asked for me to do in ministry or not asked for me to do in ministry. It's about the things of God. It's about Him. My love I have for the Lord. This is not like work like that in in people's minds. Because I'm saying, without God, I can't do nothing in ministry. Without God, I can't do nothing, period. It's Him that gives me the ability. So why, why am I complaining to God about what God gives me the ability to do? And that's what I hear a lot of times from people. They complain about, to God about what God has given them, them the ability to do. God's like, that's fine, then don't do it. I'll just raise somebody else to do it that has a right heart towards me. So I'm going to tell you, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to being prepared for what's next, make sure your heart is towards God and out of motivation of the love you have towards God. Not towards anything else. I mean, that's why I can say that I'm committed to God. It's not an auxiliary. That means it doesn't matter, you know, I'm not just committed to doing this thing in ministry. It's whatever God needs me to do. Well, God, if, you know, if somebody from, says I need to go and whatever, clean the bathrooms or teach the children, now that, I'm not doing Really? I got pick and choose what to do in ministry? I thought this is the Lord's work. If he's called me to ask me to go back there and teach the children, I'll be glad to go back there and teach the children. If he called me to sweep and mop floor, I'll be glad to go and sweep and mop. That's it. My motivation is to the Lord. And I'm never going to complain ever. But whatever I'm doing in ministry, why, why would I ever complain about work in ministry? The service to the Lord God. It's out of an attitude of gratefulness and thanksgiving. Because I'm going to tell you, here's my mentality. One day I'm going to stand before him. And I don't want to stand before God and God like, yeah, you know, you did this, you did this. But I'm going to tell you something, your attitude was nasty the whole time you did it. I don't want to hear that from God. 
right? That my attitude was wrong. I did it, but your attitude was totally wrong. I did it with all the grudgery and regret, you know, know, because I want other stuff that I wanted to do. God put you in the back burner. And see, again, connect all the knowledge from all the messages that we've been taught in this ministry about settling issues. That's what we mean by settling the issues. The issues that we have are between you and God. Not between you and any person in this ministry. Not between you and the pastor. Not between you and your parents or anyone else. It's between you and God. It's not between you and the pandemic. You and the vaccine. Or not the vaccine. It's between you and God. Settle those issues. So that you can move forward with with God. And stay committed to Him. That's how you can stay focused. Throughout all the distractions. And I learned that from David. I can see this from David. David is a great example for me personally. I never heard this brother complain about anything when it came to ministry. I never heard him complain about keeping his father's sheep. I never heard him complain about playing the harp. It's whatever needed to be done, David did it. Again, you heard his tell. He's a mighty man of war. He could have said, hey, if you want somebody to fight, I'm ready to fight now. But I ain't going to play no instrument. They wouldn't play the harp. You know, like some people think that, you know, that kind of instrument, hey, I want to play something that's more manly, right? David played a harp. I'm just saying. And played it with excellence. See, that's what he was doing his preparation time. And, and then you notice here too, I'll say this, I'm going to end this. I, I just, when, when this happened, when verse 19 through 22 happened, right, when now all of a sudden they heard about this servant, they heard about David, and now all of a sudden, David had to go play. He didn't say, oh, let me go get ready. I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm a little rusty. Kind of warm up a little bit. You know, it was, it, it's amazing to me how all of a sudden time has come and now it's time for you to, to do and all of a sudden you've got to go back and prepare. See, David, was all, he stayed prepared. You know, like we say, we stay ready. You know how I stay ready? Because I stay prepared. That's how you stay ready. People say, I'm ready at all times. That means you've got to prepare at all times. That's the only way you're ready at all times is because you prepared at all times. David prepared at all times. So all of a sudden, when it was time for him to play the harp, bring it out. I'm playing. Because I'm telling you, when we get back next Sunday, and I'm looking forward to August 1st, you may get in this mess all of a sudden. They may ask you to do something you hadn't done before. God may have already said, I need you to do this. I need you to go and do this work right now. And you'd be like, I need to go get prepared. God like... He has 16 months to prepare. Hear from God. Prepare yourself. So when we come back together, we'll be ready to hit the ground running towards the work of ministry. There won't be a delay. We'll go forward. That's how we prepare for the challenge. The work. Without the distractions. Settle those issues. That's why I said before, come back with a clean slate. Be like, you know, it's whatever issue you have with other people, again, like I said, issues with clean slate. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to love you as in the Lord. Whatever happened before, don't even matter. We're going forth together in this ministry towards the work of ministry, towards God. You know, I'm staying focused. Amen.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.